This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hello and welcome back to First Act, a podcast from Koshi's Business Builders. I'm Seth Busby. Thanks for joining me. Now, you may notice the absence of my partner in crime, Adam Bubb. He's off gallivanting today, so he won't be joining us. So let's get cracking with the podcast. Now, if this is your first time listening, with First Act, we take a deep dive into the origin stories of Australia's most fascinating movers and shakers in business and life. And I hope you come away with a unique insight into where great ideas come from and the often bumpy roads we take to get there. Now, let's meet our guest. Today, we're chatting with Rebecca Kladinsky. Now, Rebecca is one of Australia's most successful young entrepreneurs. She's the founder of Colt Swimwear Brand to Exist, which she bootstrapped herself with just 2000 bucks at the ripe old age of 24. Now, almost a decade later, to Exist has grown from a backyard brand to a global success story. It's beloved by celebrities like the Kardashians and Rihanna. But that's not Beck's only startup. She also is the co-founder of Prestwick Place, a jewellery brand that's shaking up the diamond industry with its lab-grown creations. Beck, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, absolute pleasure. Now, mm-hmm. we always start the show with our first act icebreaker. It's just a oh. bit of a silly question, just to... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing terrible. It's an easy one today. Your uh, icebreaker is bath or shower and why? Oh, oh no. That, that's hard. <laughs> um, I will choose bath because it's more relaxing and I don't get to do it often. <laughs> more of a shower. I like just get clean, get in and out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that's more since I had kids. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. Consider the ice broken. Now, (laughs) you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur, but entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. was not your original career path. So you studied forensic psychology originally. So what inspired that? I was just interested, deeply interested in how humans work. It was a double degree. It was psychology and forensic psychology. So it had that sort of criminal element to it. But I was just really interested and fascinated in the mind and how we do things and why we do things. Your first business to exist began as a side hustle. So can you you talk us through the genesis of that? That was just really, it was a side hustle, perfect way to describe it. It was just a little brand that I had started because I found a hole in the market at at this ripe old age of 22, 23, 24. You know, we didn't have afterpay. We had Kmart or we had high-end brands. There was nothing in between for uni students like me at the time. We lay things and there wasn't something there. So I just 
went out and did it. And I thought if I was feeling this way, surely I'm not the only one. And then that's how it started. This was just on the inception of Instagram. So I jumped on that wave and that's how it all started. You were working in retail at the time as well. So when did you decide that you were going to give up your job and focus on to exist? It was just happening all at once. The business was working. I was in uni and I had a job to look after and I sort of just had to make the choice to jump. Really, I couldn't juggle all those balls. And I thought, I've got $2,000. I'll be okay. I'll just take some time and I'll work on the business. (laughs) And that's when it happened. (laughs) I've got (laughs) $2,000. It's just $2,000. I'll be okay. (laughs) That's amazing how your needs and expenses change. (laughs) Change, yeah. Well, I had that. I really wanted to see where this thing could go. I wanted to see how far I could run with it. And I knew that if I put uni on hold, I could always go back to uni. I knew I could always get another job, but I just didn't know if I could pause my business. Mm. And it's the best thing I ever did. So what do you think uh, that time also spent in the retail sector helped you? Uh, it helped me with customer service, being face-to-face, learning from managers. It helped me with that, just little tidbits that you pick up on the retail floor. So was customer experience something that was really at the forefront when you first developed the brand? Not really, but when I was doing, I did markets in the very beginning. So um, just having that little edge there, I felt if I didn't have any retail experience, I wouldn't have known what I was doing, to be honest. How did it go from marketplace stall to what it is today? I mean, that's a that's a very big kind of nine-year journey. And I Ooh. imagine that there were incremental fits and starts. So what was the biggest challenge in scaling, do you think? Well, I, I just tested the waters with markets. I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to get the brand out there. So this is literally when Instagram started and I just didn't know. So I thought I'd try it. I did a few and I realized that it wasn't worth the energy or effort. Um, and then something was just happening with e-commerce and sales were coming through from Instagram and people were tagging. And it was interesting to see how this was working because we hadn't been exposed to social media like this before. And I just ramped up momentum with social media. It was very new to all of us. Hashtags were working. The algorithm was in its beta stages. So it was chronological order. I figured out when to post, how to post, what my audience liked. And it it was just social media working with me and for me. You say, oh, I figured out how to post and when to post. I'm sure there was a, a little bit of um, science in your thinking. Yes, there was actually. It did. It helped. Do you think also that background in psychology also has helped you? I think now, upon reflection, even some things that I do do now, I can see how I apply some of those skills. Yes. Because I think about how people use their phones, what people need, want, like to see, and I will massage that into our media strategy. Mm. So yes. yes. (laughs) (laughs) Also, fashion is obviously notoriously wasteful industry. I think I read um, some stats Mm -hmm. from a Monash Uni study just recently saying that 
Australia manufactures something like 38 million items of clothing every year and that 90% of those end up in landfill or yeah. just discarded yeah. and that's like 800,000 tonnes of fashion waste. It's it, so it, bad. It's, yeah, it's just mind-boggling when you think about it. So was it always the plan for to exist to be a sustainable, eco-friendly fashion label? Yes. So from day dot, my bralette, my bikinis, my core swim have always been sustainable, um, made from recycled plastic bottles, always. So there's been a big movement with all of that. Obviously now everybody is sort of leaning towards sustainability and um, ethical clothes and and slow fashion, but my swim has always been slow. Can you tell me a bit more about that? You just like said that in passing, it made <laughs> of ocean waste. I'm sure it wasn't as simple as that when you're the uni student uh, with their side hustle. Like how did you come to that? When I found my manufacturer that I have and I was going through the process of Lycra options there are sustainable, there were sustainable options. They're obviously more expensive. And at that point, I wanted sustainable swim. I wanted to maintain my environmental responsibility. So it was a no-brainer for me. It wasn't a marketing ploy. I actually never spoke about it until it became trendy. But I paid extra to have sustainable swim, and that was just my my give back, I guess. Yeah, so how did you find that manufacturer? Because as you said, oh. like it's quite commonplace these days, but when you're talking 10 years ago. I packed my backpack. I just went to Indonesia. I went to China and I was on foot just looking, knocking on doors, speaking to people. And that's how I found my team that I still use today. That's so it fantastic. Was a really, it was a physical act of finding these, yeah, different people. But China and Indonesia, I went through in and out constantly. So apart from the impact that fast fashion has on the environment, it also comes with an ethical cost quite frequently, but um, that's not the case with your brand. So what have you done to kind of change that in your day-to-day operations? Well, the swim is all sustainable. The packaging is all sustainable. We reuse a lot of um, packaging material if we've got boxes and whatever lying around the office. Everything is probably recyclable in in the office. We're just making conscious choices any way we can. And I'm that way in my personal life. So I wanted to put it into my business. By default, it's happening anyway, because we like to be like that in society now. But it's not like a, it wasn't a come to Jesus moment where we just opted to be (laughs) sustainable. (laughs) We've always been like this. (laughs) You mentioned earlier about Instagram and the role it's played in your success. Can you explain a bit more about that strategy of, of for the brand and how you've used Insta to grow the brand? Well, I think in the beginning it was really interesting to see a brand, a bikini brand, displaying images the way we did. I mean, sort of provocative poses, really cute poses, just we had never as a society or as a culture seen anything like that. So we have to return like back time and Mm. unsee everything that we've seen in the last 12 years. But it was shocking in a way 
and it was fun and it was new. So it worked for me because nobody knew what was going on. And it was, it was the price point that married in with my product was for everyone. So I think that got me over the line as well. Now, your swimwear, as I mentioned in the intro, is loved by quite a few celebrities like the Kardashians and Rihanna. So how did they originally come across your designs? From Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I've got emails with screenshots of the pages and from their stylists. Hey, Kim likes this. She's attached an image. Hey, Kylie likes this. Hey, Rihanna has seen this. Could you please send this size to this address so we can do a fitting? And it'll be online if it fits. And that's it. (laughs) Well, if only it was that simple for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. So then we worked frequently with the Jenners and the Kardashians and it's just, yeah, that's just how it happened, but through Instagram. So what did that mean for you as a brand having, um, obviously it's not a paid endorsement from them, but they are endorsing your product by, you know, putting on the swimwear and taking a snap like what was the big impact and were you ready for it uh it really solidified the brand for me it's sort of established like hi we are here and we're here to stay and this is why and the impact in the beginning when Kylie first posted the bikini that she was in I learned about pre-sale once it sold out straight away. So that was how I learned. (laughs) (laughs) And then just keeping up with everyone posting and keeping up with the volume of orders. I had to really learn quickly because it came hard, it came fast and it didn't stop. Yeah. Can you talk us through that a little bit more? Because I imagine one day you've got this, you know, reasonable following and then suddenly... A Kardashian or a Jenna pops something online and the brand basically explodes. So, mm. and you don't have the stock, I imagine, to fulfill all those orders. So, so the stock sells out and then we go straight into pre order and then the warehouse is just under the pump to get the product back and then it's restocked and restocked and restocked. And that was it. I, but I did have to learn very quickly because it was scary. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, all these people are on the website and you can see the traffic coming through. How can I sell to them? But that is when I figured out pre-order. Mm. Yeah, because you don't want to disappoint people. And as you say, you've got all this traffic coming, yeah. coming to your site. I can't supply. It's just, bear with me, guys. I'm new at this. So, but yeah. Is there a particular... Um, item of swimwear that when you created the design, you were like, yep, love it. This is going to really sell. Yeah. So it's the same bralette that uh, the celebrities have picked that is our most popular piece. It's the bralette. And I really designed that to be worn like to Pilates, to yoga, and then to the beach. So something very versatile that everyone can wear and get two uses from. Again, at the time I'm a uni student, I didn't have that much money. It appeals to me. Uh, and that is our number one to this very day. Do you, do you kind of keep on coming back to that, you know, that yeah. reason why you started the brand in the first place to make affordable, yeah. great-looking fashion? Always. I've never really wanted to, you know, break break the internet. I've never really wanted to do anything like that. I just set out on a mission and that's all I ever wanted to accomplish. 
and I have, so I'm happy. <laughs> Although you have broken the internet a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Shopify store too. <laughs> In terms of the shopping experience, you mentioned Instagram and how that's been a great feeder for your 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 business. Mm-hmm. What about your e-commerce site? Is that equally important? Yes. Yep. Without a doubt. What was the development of that like? Well, I learned to code myself. I didn't have a lot of money at the time. We've established that. I didn't understand what Shopify was. I didn't understand. None of us knew what e-commerce or a, a website like that really was. And I jumped on YouTube. I taught myself how to code. I taught myself how to use Photoshop because I was in the beginning doing my own photos. Um, and it was just a learning process, but I'm thankful for those tools now because I am a whiz with, with that sort of stuff. (laughs) So you were a bit of a one man band to begin with. Yes. Now what kind of staff are we talking? Pre-COVID, just under 10, which I didn't really like, to be honest. Um, I don't like a big group of staff. I like to just have a few people solid, reliable people. After COVID, we're at three. Was there a big impact from COVID on the business? Uh, Not really. Uh, We actually spiked during the lockdown or the lockdowns. We did spike when, um, I can't remember what our government gave, but there was sort of something was given and then there was a huge rush to the website (laughs) a directive that you can go swim (laughs) it was interesting though because we weren't holidaying we weren't leaving our houses but summer was coming around and it was just a few extra bucks that I think people were spending to treat themselves yeah so we've come out the other end and here we are yeah and I always knew that we'd be okay though because I've I've maintained the reins of my finances and keeping the company steady with my hands on the wheel at all times because I'm a control freak (laughs) served me well through this pandemic. That's an interesting point because sometimes business owners don't have a real grasp on their finances. Mm, mm. They really don't know what the real cost is Mm. for them for doing business, but you're Mm. pretty on top of everything. Yeah, well, I mean – it's sort of sexy to have an investor come along and they have come many times knocking um, and I've always turned it away and I've never wanted help. I've really wanted to grow this brand and have it be my own and just keep in control of it with my finger on the pulse. I've never wanted to extend outside of my means and, I, and yeah, that served me well. And yet you've got a global brand. So what are the challenges with that? I mean, satisfying everybody. Shipping (laughs) is the biggest challenge, to be honest. When things don't get delivered and then we're at the mercy of DHL, that's a doozy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a a common lament for most businesses at the moment. And then stock gets stuck in customs and, oh, but, yeah. We'll be back with Beck after this short break to have a bit more of a chat about the next stage of her entrepreneurial journey. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. We're back with Beck. And earlier we spoke about Rebecca being a serial entrepreneur. And while she's still very much, as you've heard, at the helm of To Exist, she's also founded a new business with her partner, the AFL player Lockie Henderson. Now, the business is Presswick Place. It's a fine jewellery brand specialising in lab-grown moissanite and lab-grown diamond engagement rings that are designed to last a lifetime. And when you consider the alternatives, I think it's a mighty fine idea. So, Beck, we've all heard the song, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, and diamonds are probably amongst the most coveted precious gems in the world. But that's only as long as you're willing to forget about the pretty dark past that comes with them, from child label to conflict diamonds, blood diamonds, not to mention the environmental impact. So what was your experience of diamonds and the diamond market? That was really nicely articulated. Um, <laughs> my personal experience, so this business was born through personal experience again, like Exist was. I was engaged many, many moons ago. Uh, the ring was insured for close to 160000 Holy cow. In relation- yeah, that's right. Holy cow. That's what you would think. So the relationship dissolved that went away. I held onto the ring as you do. And years passed, long time passed. And I just wanted to get rid of that energy, cleanse it out, get rid of it. I was doing a spring clean, deep clean, whatever. I went back to my jeweler that sold it to us, who is a friend of mine. I know her. She said, look, Beck, I know what you paid for it. I know what you've insured it for, but all I can give you today is 14000 or 15000 <gasps> at the most cash. And I said, you're joking. And I said, like we were sitting and I said, okay, come on. She said, no. And she starts telling me about diamond inflation. She starts telling me about all of these things. And I just, my head was spinning. And I said, are you serious? And she said to me, look, if you keep it insured in a year's time, if you just say it's gone missing, I'm happy to sign off on your insurance certificate and you'll get 160 for it clean. I said, I'm not committing fraud. <laughs> we laughed about Especially it. not on air. <laughs> well, no, I'm never doing that. I'm like, I've got the ring. It's not worth it to me. For It wasn't about the money. It was cleansing the energy and I just didn't like, the, I felt like I was getting ripped off for that price. Um, and then enter Lockie a new relationship. We're talking about getting engaged. I've got all of this information from my own experience and I never wanted to put him in a position where he was being taken advantage of. A solo guy wanting to do the best by me, he'll go to the end of the earth for me, the biggest, best, whatever. And I just, there was something in me that I wanted to do a bit of research, my own due diligence for Lockie, right? Then I found the moissanite. Then I started reading about the lab diamond then I wanted to find people in our country that offered such a great product and there were none. And I thought, hey, and the light bulb went off and here we are. 
So that was really your aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. Um, I prefer to think of Moissanites as space diamonds. That's, that's the well, other name they have. It sounds quite it romantic. <laughs> enters the envir- it enters our like, atmosphere through meteorite. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, like stardust. It's yeah, it awesome. is. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you did this um, due diligence, you did this research, you realised that there were there wasn't anyone in Australia kind of mm-hmm. offering this. So mm-hmm. is that when you went, mm-hmm, business yeah. opportunity? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> when I just thought I cannot be the only one that's feeling like this. I, I need to do something about it. So what were the steps then? How did you go about setting up Presswick Place? Because oh. that's not the only thing that you do, like – you also are all about conserving precious metals and stuff as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So our lab is a private lab in the US and the only reason, I feel like the universe just works for you when you're on the right path. The only reason I have that or we have that today is through Exist because Exist has its own legs in the States and I was able to, through my connections with Exist, source our lab and have that set up the right way. So a lot of places in actually all, I think, in the country go through third parties. So you're jumping through a few hoops to get to the stones, but with us it's direct from the lab. But that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have my legs in the USA. What about consumer reaction? Because I know so many of us now are wanting to support ethically (laughs) sourced jewels, gems. Reaction has been, I can't tell you how insane it has been. It is a 12 day a week job. There's literally one person that manages DMs, one person that does emails, one person that does texts. It is crazy. So can you tell me also about the kind of the handcrafted path that you've taken? So each piece that we do is made with our team of jewelers so we have a team of Presswick jewelers private studio and each piece is made by a human hand on the gold coast so a lot of companies or brands will outsource the actual setting of the stone to places like China um, to have that setting made that will be sent into the country and then a stone will be set into it our pieces are all handmade so it's literally one person shaping buffing sizing setting in Queensland. And how did you find your team? That was the universe too. It just happened. I was in one of my jewelers I found, I was in hospital for endometriosis and the nurse that was looking after me was leaning down. She had this beautiful necklace on while she was changing something in my IV and I commented on it and she said, oh, I found this jeweler. She connected me that way. And then someone else I bumped into just talking about something in a market and then I found them that way but they've all just been random different people at random different times that have come into my life and we have ended up working together and creating this business together. Yeah so you obviously must be quite a big believer in serendipity then. Yeah I am definitely. Right place, right time has certainly worked out quite well for you then. I think if you just open your ears and eyes, there's wonderful things happening 
all the time. And it might sound hippy-dippy, whatever. It works for me and it has always led me in the right direction. So you've got two really successful businesses. How do you juggle them both? You know, how do you not have a favourite child? Well, Lockie has retired, thank God, and I've put him in charge of Exist, so he's managing for me and he's also my right hand for Prestwick. So I'm sort of still doing everything, but to get to me, you've got to go through Lockie and Lockie's great at logistics, at sorting things out, at keeping everything level. If I didn't have Lockie, I don't think I'd be able to do this. Actually, I wouldn't be able to do this. I think we kind of often discount how incredibly important it is to have a partner who is supportive when you're on an entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, it's so important. And I never knew until he came along because I have had partners and boyfriends through the journey, but never that have supported or even for me to be able to trust him to take over exist was a huge thing for me to consider. And he didn't ask. That was just me. I actually asked him and I was like, please, could you do this? Um, And he's great. So Now you've got two successful businesses. They say um, three's a kind of number that brings everything all into completion. Is there a third startup in you, do you think? Yeah, I think there's one in me. I was saying to him the other day that I really enjoy the process of starting and building businesses. So definitely there's something else in there. So what is it you enjoy about it? The satisfaction on seeing something come to life and then seeing people's reactions when you can see that someone has been looking for something and then you've hit that sweet spot for them or that what you have created is serving the masses or helping someone, that is what I love. So have you had any uh, memorable stories from Presswick Place of people coming in and getting their ring designed and, you know, some heartwarming tales you want to share? I had actually one lady and she reached out to us and then there were no emails and then she reached back out to us a couple of months later and she said, sorry guys, I went went radio silent. My husband actually passed away and I'm going to change the setting that we were looking at and I'd love to get one of your two stone rings. And she changed some of the, the setting on it. She said, I want to do a pair and I want to do a marquee. So a pair is quite a bulbous shape and a marquee is quite thin and skinny. She said, I'd love for the pair to represent my husband who was short and fat. And I'd (laughs) love for the marquee to represent me who's tall and skinny. And every time I look down, I'll think of him and he really wanted to buy it for me before he passed, but he just couldn't get there. And so now I'm going to do that for us. And that stays with me. Yeah, that's a gorgeous story. Yeah. It's interesting because your businesses impact people in different ways, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I'm so proud of that too because it's so heartwarming to think that I personally can touch these people in such a positive way, if only for five minutes when you're wearing a bikini or a lifetime when you're wearing a ring. What would be your advice then for someone who's got a side hustle at the moment and they're thinking about 
taking it to the next level? I would say stop looking at what anybody else is doing and really focus on on your own business and make sure that your finances are in check because now it's so much harder jumping in as a startup without any financial foundation, I guess. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't think I could have done Exist now because there's so much out there and you need so much more money to cut through or for production or for marketing. So make sure your finances are in check and stop looking at other people because it'll just confuse you. Yeah, I like that idea of stop looking at other people. I mean, you should be aware of your competition, but don't think mm. that you have to do what someone else does. Doing, yeah, awareness, but um, that's it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that's been a fascinating chat. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us about your first act journey. Now, let's give a little bit of a plug to your wonderful businesses. Tricky spelling, I'll let you give the to exist uh, website website. address. (laughs) Yeah, it's I-I-X-I-I-S-T dot com exist. (laughs) And if you want to find out more about... Presswick Place and Beck's exquisite handmade jewellery business, then you should head to theprestwickplace.com to find out more. And definitely pay a visit to Australia's fantastic swimwear brand if you're looking for a cosy for the summer season. Thank you, Beck. I've really loved finding out about your first act. That was so good. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. <laughs> <laughs>